cool. So yeah, we're going to go through these verses um, that of Jesus' words, uh, just finishing up this sort of segment of this series called The Man, but we'll pick it up again um, yeah, later in the year after a little bit. We'll kind of keep tracking through Matthew, um, but we're coming to the end of chapter 11 today, and we're going to start a new series on family next week and, and growing as a family, as a church. Um, but yeah, we've kind of been tracking the last few weeks with, with Jesus and his teaching, but a lot of like people responding to him in different ways. And in, in ways that people don't really, Jesus isn't really matching how, what people expect him to do. So we saw John the Baptist is kind of doubting Jesus. The crowds aren't sure about him. Last week, Jesus called the crowds demanding children. And like some cities are rejecting Jesus. Like, so you, it, it's been difficult. Like people haven't just accepted him or recognized who he is. And then we've kind of been talking about in our own lives then when things happen that we don't expect in life, life is unexpected, or with God, maybe we think God should do something and He doesn't, how that can be disorientating, and, and maybe even worse, maybe even frustrating or confusing, when life, when things, when people, and, and everything isn't working the way that we expect, that can sometimes be overwhelming, uh, make us anxious, and maybe even leave us exhausted. And we look at Jesus' invitation today, and I suppose before we come to it, some questions are just how are you feeling today? And I guess how are you feeling a bit deeper? And are you feeling tired? Um, sometimes when we think about it, actually like, yeah, life is hard and we're tired. Maybe are you feeling overwhelmed? Or maybe that's not even the right word. Maybe a better word is exhausted. Actually just exhausted with life. Is life working out how you expected? Or is it just not fitting your expectations and therefore leaving you disappointed, disillusioned, uncertain, maybe confused. Um, the awesome thing that we're going to look at today is that Jesus understands that and he knows that, he knows about it, and he cares. And I look at what he says and what he does to respond to that. Because it's interesting because I, I think that Jesus may have felt that way in this passage, right? Like, like John the Baptist had... Like said that Jesus is the one, right, is now having doubts, and that would be potentially disorientating for Jesus even. Crowds are not accepting him. Um, people are being demanding. Whole cities are rejecting him and just not taking him seriously. Like, they might not be fully against him, but they just haven't taken him seriously and haven't taken on board what he said. And he's the son of God, right? Right there in the flesh, and they're not listening. Like, like that would be hard, and maybe he was tempted or to be discouraged or frustrated. Again, he gave warnings we saw last week. That's draining and tiring. And he, man, he's, he, remember, he is a human. He's the son of God, but he's also fully man. But it's so interesting because what we see in this passage is how Jesus responds in all of that context, right? In, in no one really getting what's going on, no one really seeing him, people sort of doubting him. This is what he says. This is how he responds. He says, at that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. That's, again, probably not what you'd expect someone to say in that context, right? Like in the midst of people not responding to Jesus, what does he do? He realizes that his Father, who is the Lord of heaven and earth, is at work. It just looks different. It doesn't look different to how you might expect. 
It's not the leaders who are accepting Jesus. It's not the religious elite that are accepting Jesus. It's not mass crowds. It's not influential people. But there are people who are responding to him. It's just that they are simple people. They're humble people. They're unexpected little people. Here he calls them little children. Again, probably referring to his disciples and those who have decided to follow him and are taking him seriously, a small amount, but they're not the people you might expect. And it's so interesting because Jesus praises God for this and seems to actually find joy in this and even says that his father finds joy in this. His father is pleased about this, that he's actually not working the way people expect. There's a sense of joy about that, that God is working, but he's not working in ways that condone the hierarchies of the world. He's working in ways that subvert them. He's working in ways that people would not expect, and by doing that, he's actually turning things upside down. He's revealing this precious knowledge of who Jesus is, not to the influential elites, but to the humble, to the unexpected, to the simple. And this recognition that Jesus has is a joyful thing. Um, um, Dale Bruner on this says this, when Jesus could have been discouraged, when he had to preach judgment to the unrepented, when he had to characterize people as childish and had to acknowledge that he was not getting the kind of response, even from John the Baptist, the hardiest of all believers, that one expected a Messiah to get, Jesus gave thanks. That was his response. He gave thanks. And what we're doing is following Jesus. And like Jesus, when we're tempted to be discouraged, when God is not doing what we expect, when life is not working out how we expect, we can actually praise God for his unexpected ways. Because again, I think most people would think if, if you're God and you want to reveal yourself to the world, start at the top, right? And work down. That's the most efficient way. Like, like the leaders can go to their people, to their people, and then it spreads. If you want to reach a whole region, like get the king on board and then it'll spread out. Like that's the efficient way that things work in the world. Um, but in God's wisdom, he goes and does the opposite. Again, it's not because it's bad to be wise or it's bad to be educated. That's not the point. The point is that God does not condone pride. He doesn't come to the proud. He comes to the humble. And it looks strange. If you want to spread this message of who Jesus is to the world, the people they're recognizing are insignificant little people who don't have probably much influence. Like That doesn't seem like a good strategy. But again, we see this again and again, that God's ways look like foolishness to the world. Um, the cross looks like foolishness to the world. Paul even says that um, openly in, in 1 Corinthians. He says this, we preach Christ crucified, the Messiah crucified, right? God who dies sounds foolish. A stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. It's unexpected. That's not what anyone expected, that that's how God was going to save the world but it's so wise when you can see his unexpected ways. And we can actually praise him for that. And it's interesting, though, because in life, right, I think there's an aspect of ourselves that we want things to go the way we expect. I get this, it gives an element of control, predictability, um, safety in that. But it's actually way more joyful when life is unexpected, right? Like, if your life just goes exactly how you expect, it's kind of boring. It's not that interesting. Like, no one really says, that was a great movie, it was so predictable. Like, I predicted everything that happened in that movie. 
Like, that's not very enjoyable. Like, we like movies that have twists. And, and twists that you didn't, didn't see coming. And like maybe you kind of guessed it, but you couldn't really tell, and it was so unexpected. Like That's exciting. That's joyful. That's interesting. When life and, and things are just predictable, unexpected, it's somewhat boring. There's actually a joy to be found in the fact that God does unexpected things. It's actually really joyful, particularly because the ways that he works when they're not, they don't match our expectations, it's not because they're worse, it's because they're far better. They're, they're immeasurably beyond. We just maybe can't see them at the time. We can't predict him easily, so it makes him so interesting. We don't know necessarily what he's going to do next in our lives. And there's a joy that's found in actually praising him for this by focusing on what he is doing, the ways that he's working, the unexpected things, rather than, like we said the other day, just focusing on what he's not doing and how he's not fitting what we want. Can actually praise him that he is working, but it's unexpected. So when faced with that, we can praise him for his unexpected ways. In this passage, Jesus goes on then, and again, like people are not recognizing him, but he starts to reveal just who he is. And these are some incredibly profound words that he says. He says this, All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Again, you can kind of just read that and, and brush over it. That's an incredibly profound thing for Jesus to say. Like this man, that people are still working out who he is. All right? And maybe even you're here today and you're like, I'm still working out who Jesus is. Like this is something that he said. All things have been committed to be my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to who he chooses to reveal him to. This is amazing, right? And even we saw before, this, this, what this actually says is that the people that are recognizing who Jesus is, it's not because they figured it out. It's not because they, they, they just studied the Scripture really well and they finally figured out that Jesus is the Messiah. If they are recognizing him, it's because the Father revealed it. That's it. Even later on, Peter recognizes Jesus as the Messiah. And Jesus says, "You didn't. it's not flesh and blood that revealed this. Heaven revealed this to you. The only way to really see who Jesus is is for the Father to reveal him to us. But then it's also the truth that no one knows the Father, no one truly knows who God is except the Son. That's an incredibly bold claim to make that Jesus says. No one knows God except me, is what Jesus is saying effectively. It's incredibly profound. And it's interesting because what people have been doing and what maybe we might even do is we take our understanding of God, our expectations about what God is like and what God is doing and how he should respond and how he should work in the world, and we use them as a filter to look at Jesus. And, and these people are sort of saying, well, Jesus doesn't really fit our expectation of what the kingdom of God looks like, of what God is doing in Israel. And, and Jesus doesn't fit. He doesn't fit our expectations so he can't be the one. It's, it's having understanding of God and using that as a filter. But here, because of what Jesus is saying, his invitation is to do literally the opposite, to say the way to know God and understand God and see him is to look at Jesus. Jesus, in a sense, is the filter to see God. If you want to know God, you can't take your understanding and expectations to look at Jesus. You have to look at Jesus and completely let go your previous expectations and understanding. We don't come to know God through our own understanding or even through our experience or our study or our work. If we've come to know God, it's because Jesus has revealed him to us. So we're called to look at the Son, for he alone 
reveals God. And it's more, Jesus doesn't just teach about God, he reveals God. We're not just to listen to him. Jesus is not just one voice among many of religious leaders, and he has one view of God, and another religious leader has another view of God, and we can kind of make a mix. No, Jesus says that's not how it works. And it's not even just his teaching. It's actually him. He reveals God. It's actually to look at him and don't assess him by our understanding, but look at him to understand and see what the Father is like. Again, it's just such a profound thing that he says. And we've probably heard it, but it's good just to hear it afresh. Um, this um, Barclay says this. When, this is kind of a paraphrase of Jesus' words. He says, what Jesus says is this. If you want to see what God is like, if you want to see the mind of God, the heart of God, the nature of God, if you want to see God's whole attitude to men, look at me. It's the Christian conviction that in Jesus Christ alone, we see what God is like. And it's also the Christian conviction that Jesus can give this knowledge to anyone who is humble enough and trustful enough to receive it. It's profound. Paul puts it this way in Colossians, the Son is the image of the invisible God. If you want to know God, if you want to see God, Jesus says, look at me. We can look at the Son, for He alone reveals God. And again, in our own lives, sometimes when our expectations or just in our search for God, if you're here today and we're part of a community, it's because of God, right? You come to church because we care about God. We want to know God. And sometimes the search for God can be overwhelming. It can feel maybe just a bit ethereal or a bit unstable or like, how do we really know God? But Jesus reveals that actually we don't need to search. We need to look at Him. He's the one who reveals the Father. And it's so interesting because if anything, Jesus' life, right, is totally unexpected. So many things happen to him, so many things he does that are not what we expect, which reveals again, the Father is unexpected. God, God doesn't just fit our human understanding. God is not like us, doesn't think like us and do things like us. And if he did, that'd be boring, and he wouldn't really be God, right? Like, like he's God. He's so interesting. He's so different. He, 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 he's above us. And when we find that maybe our circumstances are not fitting our expectations, we said a few weeks ago, you can take a fresh look at Jesus, but when you're taking a fresh look at Jesus, you're taking a fresh look at God, at the Creator, God, in the flesh. So this man, people are trying to make up their mind about him. And we see here, he's not just a man. He's the embodiment of the Creator God in flesh. And if that's true, if that's who he is, then he is the center of everything. We cannot take our expectations and our thoughts about God and put them onto him because that puts him down here, right? Like, he's God, and he's a sinner. Then it's what he says about God that's true. What he says, we're invited to trust and follow him. We don't get to define him on our terms. He defines everything. He's God, right? Like, our response is to trust him and come with faith and worship and praise and surrender and enjoy the fact that he's way bigger than us, and we don't have to be God. He, he's God, which is awesome. So in the context of that then, right, after Jesus praising the Father for his unexpected ways, inviting us to look at the Son, for He reveals God. He has this call, this invitation to people that are very tired. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I'm just going to read it again. In the context of what I just said, Jesus reveals God. This is Jesus speaking, right? When He's speaking... 
God speaking, the creator God, the king. This is what he says, come to me, come to Jesus, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. What's God's heart for us? Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart. Jesus is gentle and humble in heart. What's the Father like? He's gentle, humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus invites weary and burdened people to himself. Again, it's profound. You want rest? Come to me, is what he says. He's the one that gives rest. Again, the context, these people are probably tired because they're searching for God, which can be exhausting, and they're also burdened because of the demands of the law and particularly the religious leaders that just weighed on people. There was all these expectations and things that they had to do to to please God or to, to sort of be approved of, and that was a heavy burden. It was a yoke. And these people, because of that, are incredibly tired. And Jesus knows that, and he cares about it, and he speaks into it. And maybe for slightly different ways, but still the same feeling we may have of being tired, weary, and burdened. And the invitation is to come to Jesus, for he offers rest. It's a deep word, right? He offers rest or refreshment or renewal. This is his offer, the creator God in the flesh's offer. I don't know if you notice, though, but there's something really interesting about what Jesus says. Because he is offering rest, but he's offering a burden, <laughs> which is not something you'd kind of offer someone when you want to rest. Like someone who's tired, you kind of expect, I'll just take it off, I'll make it easier. Like, I'll, I'll just reduce the expectations, I'll take off the burden, like, and then you're good. But, but Jesus says, no, take my yoke. And he says his burden is light. He invites us to take a burden. It's not taking off all burdens. It's actually exchanging burdens is what he offers. Because life can be a burden. Right? Life can be a joy, but life can also just be a real burden. It can be hard just each day. It can be difficult. And particularly these people seeking to follow the demands that were on them. Jesus' invitation, though, is not to live without a burden. It's not to live without a yoke, but to exchange the heavy yoke of the law, of expectations, the burden that's there, to exchange the burden of a life alone without God for the burden, the light burden of a life following Jesus, being with Jesus, knowing Jesus, following his way. Um, R.T. France says this, Jesus' yoke is not easy because it makes lighter demands. So in Jesus' teaching, like we even said last week, he calls us to do hard things. It's not that Jesus says, just do whatever you want, you can have rest. Like, he still makes difficult demands. It's not lighter because it's easier, but because it represents entering into a disciple relationship. Learn from me. Disciple relationship with one who is gentle and lowly in heart. It's about this relationship that Jesus invites us to that empowers us to follow him and find life in doing it his way. So rest doesn't come from having no burden. It comes from having Jesus' light burden. It doesn't come from doing nothing. Again, he doesn't say just have a sleep, do nothing. Like He says, follow me, learn from me. They still have to move, we have to keep going. Rest doesn't come when we go it alone and try and figure out life on our, in our own strength. It comes by doing life with him, 
the one who's gentle and humble in heart. And his promise is that way of life brings rest and refreshment. It's actually a promise in Jeremiah that Jesus may be sort of using. This is in Jeremiah 6.16, it says, This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. The Lord in Jeremiah is saying, there's a way of life that leads to rest. And Jesus says, that way is to come to me and to follow me and to do life with me, to take my burden, to do life my way, to live with me because I'm gentle and humble. That's his invitation to come to Jesus for he offers rest. And again, I think it's profound because again, I think we're likely to think that the, fi- the way to find rest is to get rid of burdens. Right? The way to find rest is to have no burden or just to have more freedom or just to have more resources. And perhaps even in the future when we're really tired, we imagine a life when it's just carefree. It's just easy. There's, there's, there's no needs. There's no work. We have everything we want and we'll just be happy. And but life will be free of burdens and care. That's kind of sometimes maybe the picture. But the truth is that that's a trap. It, it doesn't happen. Like you get to there and then it's the next thing. And you get to there and then it's the next thing. I think a big one probably is with wealth. People think that if we get really wealthy, then we'll have no burdens, no cares. We have money that will fix everything and it's a trap. It, it's just another burden. I've um, been reading some quotes from really rich, unhappy people, which are really helpful to read. Um, these are some quotes. This is a guy, these are pretty old guys, but a guy named W.H. Vanderbilt. The care of 200 million is enough to kill anyone. There's no pleasure in it. Jacob Astor, I'm the most miserable man on earth, incredibly wealthy man. John Rockefeller, I have made many millions, but they have brought me no happiness. Andrew Carnegie, millionaires seldom smile. Henry Ford, I was happier when I was doing a mechanics job. Someone a bit more contemporary. Jim Carrey, I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. And you think about that, right? Like, sure, people who are really rich may be happy for a bit, but a lot of them are miserable. A lot of them are incredibly burdened people, right? Like, it's not just a free, carefree life. So pursuing that path, and Jesus says it's not the path that's going to bring rest. There's actually no option for no burden. That's not an option. But there is an offer for a burden, an easy burden, a light burden, which leads to rest. Jesus' yoke, coming under Jesus' teaching, living life with the risen, Jesus leads to rest. And again, other ways of rest are good. Holidays are good, right? Sleep is good. Like, leisure is good. But we have a deeper need for rest because those things don't satisfy. And Jesus offers it if we come to him, learn from him, live under him. So I guess the question I'll ask again is, are you tired? Are you weary? Are you carrying a heavy load? Is life overwhelming? Instead of just demanding that God and life conform to our expectations, there's an invitation today to praise God for his unexpected ways. Find joy in the fact that he's at work. Maybe we can't see it, but he's at work in unexpected ways. Look at the sun, for he alone reveals God. And come to Jesus, for he offers rest. And ultimately, the invitation is to a life with God, because life alone is really hard. Life dependent on you is really hard. 
life of absolute freedom, which means that it's all on you, is really hard, ultimately mundane and boring. Life with Jesus is exciting, it's unexpected, it's joyful, it's refreshing. We get to follow him, we get to trust in him, we get to see what he's doing, we get to serve him and be a part of his vision and his kingdom, which is awesome. It's so good. So I guess at the end of this sort of section of the man series, the, the, the question then is really, how will you respond to this man? And the amazing things that he says. Are you going to listen to him? Are you still making up your mind about him? And if he is who he says he is, like we said last week, we need to take him seriously and find rest as we do that. So I'm going to pray, and then, um, yeah, we're going to sing and celebrate as well. Just invite you to stand. Yeah, Jesus, you care deeply for us in our tiredness, in our weariness. Life can be so overwhelming, changes, uncertainty, challenges. Well, we've faced things last year, we may face things again this year that we could not see. And we just thank you that you know and you care and you offer us a life that's stable in the midst of crisis and the midst of challenge. You offer us eternal life that's even stable in the face of death. Uh, we just thank you, Jesus, for your generous offer and your care and concern for us. And just ask Holy Spirit that you'd make us people who truly can fo- follow you and trust you and live with you as our God and, and find the rest and renewal and the refreshment that you promise. And just ask Holy Spirit that you'd just help us with that and strengthen us to see the truth about who you are, Jesus. And just thank you, God, that that you've revealed um, to many of us who you are, Jesus. It means you've revealed him, Father, to us as a generous gift, and we just praise you for that, and we just ask that you'd show him to more and more people and, and help us to do that as well. And we just honor and worship you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.